Without a doubt, the most controversial aspect of raising a transgender child comes with making medical decisions to assist with transition. And as we started this podcast, the vast majority of questions I've received from listeners have been on this subject. And I won't lie, I've been delaying it. In large part, because first and foremost, I wanted you to know that you're not alone in your journey with your kid. There are many other parents who have been right where you are and without the community to lean on, it seems like I would have been doing you and your kid a disservice. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host slash head counselor, Mackenzie Dunham. Trans kids are kids, and they need loved and supported more than anything else. From my clinical perspective, without the love and connection that only a parent can give, we're setting our kids up for the hardest possible path. So it's my hope that this next series of episodes will help ease some of your fears and ultimately allow you and your family to write some of the most challenging chapters of the playbook that works best for all of you. This is a huge subject. I started to write out some of the things I wanted to address as we venture into it so that I could protect you, or at least not add to the feeling of being overwhelmed. I started writing out a list of myths and misconceptions that I hear the most frequently, and I ended up with 30. 30. Just looking at my list, it felt overwhelming to me, and I already know this. I'm going to do my best not to overwhelm you with information. This episode, I just want to give you an introduction, answer some basic questions, and dispel a couple of myths. And in the next few episodes, our expert guest counselors will get more into the details of what you can anticipate moving forward with medical support for your child. But before we get into the weeds with a doctor, I wanted to first address some of the very common comments I hear from parents as they start to consider medical interventions for their kids. I'm sure it won't surprise you to hear that there are a lot of misconceptions about this process. So I think it makes the most sense to start by addressing those concerns which are commonly portrayed in the media or misguided and oppressive legislation. Those all kind of focus on our littlest trans kiddos. There's a lot of misinformation regarding the trans community on the internet, and one of the most outlandish lies about how clinicians care for young transgender children is that they're performing surgical interventions and giving hormones to five-year-olds. Nothing could be further from the truth. There are no medical interventions available to transgender children before they start to show the signs that puberty is happening. For most kids, that's around age 10. Some kids start puberty earlier. Some kids start it much later. The doctor that's best equipped to manage the medical care through transition with expertise is an endocrinologist. The specialization of endocrinology has been around for more than 100 years. Endocrinology is the study of the endocrine system the system of our body that controls all of our hormones, not just our sex hormones. Endocrinology is also concerned with metabolism, growth and development, tissue function, sleep, digestion, respiration, exertion, mood, stress, lactation, movement, reproduction, and sensory perception caused by hormones. These physicians have protocols and standards of care that they follow. None of them are playing God, and every single one I've ever met, and I know a fair few, take the care of transgender children seriously and want what's best for them, just like you. We like to recommend that young children who are out as transgender connect with an endocrinologist before puberty so that the endocrinologist can establish care, build a relationship, and help educate kids and parents on what to look for when puberty starts. 
we want to take out the fear of meeting a new doctor and eliminate the way that going to the doctor can make us feel like there's something wrong with us. I've known many young children who have no idea what will happen to their body in puberty. And I have met just as many who have seen what happens to their siblings and are scared about their body developing to look like their sister when they believe and want and know that it should look like their dad. Endocrinologists can help ease these fears and anxieties by letting your family know what's available to them and how you can work together to give your kiddo the best health outcomes. It doesn't sign your kid up for anything or commit you to any particular path. Make sense? Do not fear the endocrinologist or their team. They are going to be one of the most important supports through transition. Even if there are times when you disagree, feel like you aren't ready, or are afraid of making the wrong call. So now that you know that meeting with an endocrinologist is helpful and does not commit you to any medication or medical intervention, let's talk about when the right time to go is. As I mentioned just a minute ago, with young children, establishing care is very valuable. But let's say your kid comes out at 11 or 15 and they come out with, mom, I'm trans and I want hormones and I want them now. How do you manage that? Well, here are some things I hear parents say. I hear, your brain isn't finished developing, so you can't possibly make this decision. I hear, I'm not ready for this. I hear, I'm not going to make this decision for you. You can do whatever you want when you turn 18. I've heard, I wouldn't let you get a tattoo. I don't see how this is any different. And I've heard things like, my kid can't get their homework done or manage to do chores, so there's no way they're responsible enough to handle this. There are definitely others, but I'm going to pause here to address these because they're all themed with responsibility and maturity. And let me just say that a person can be horrifically immature and still have a very clear understanding of their gender identity. Think about it. How old were you when you knew yours? Were you 18? Did it have anything to do with your ability to clean your room without being asked or manage your time to complete homework without being micromanaged? I'm guessing not. And it's the same for your kid. The comments about age are the most common. Children become legal adults at 18, giving them full medical decision-making power. And in some states, that's earlier than others. But when you tell your child, you can do whatever you want when you turn 18, you're essentially saying, I don't think you are what you say you are. I'm not going to help you make any physical changes to your body. You can do whatever you want when you're old enough, but I'm out. I'm not going to help you sort through it. Now, I get that that's not what you're literally saying, but I've sat with enough young people to know that that is how that statement gets interpreted. I do not believe that every young trans person requires hormone therapy in order to feel supported by their parents. Many trans people have zero medical interventions throughout the course of their life. Some of that is because they don't have access. Other times it's because they just it's not for them. I do, however, think that when your child brings up to you that they want to go through medical transition, that it needs to be considered. And if you're not ready for your child to go through that, then I believe that there's work to be done on your end and work for your family to be done so that you can make sure that your child feels loved and supported and validated in their affirmed gender. There are lots of ways you can do this while working through any of your own barriers to allowing them to move forward. You can use the name and pronouns they ask you to. You can help them get clothes and hair that they feel expresses their gender. You can get their name legally changed. You can change their name at school, even if you choose not to have it legally changed. And that sort of varies again between state. You can correct people in your life when they use the wrong name and pronouns. 
you can listen and have empathy for the pain your kiddo experiences when they are willing to share with you about their dysphoria. You can get them gender-affirming gear, like a binder or a packer. You can attend PFLAG meetings or join a support group or an online forum. I'm not going to lie to you about this one. If your child badly wants hormone therapy and you are stuck and will not engage in the conversation about it at all, it will damage your relationship with your child and their mental health. I wish that weren't true, but it is. Another common complaint I hear from parents is that their child isn't grateful enough of how much the family's already done to get on board with their gender identity. This is a hard one because I totally get that it can be very difficult for parents and family members to wrap their heads around. And a lot of the work that parents do is invisible to kids. I want to remind you that as hard as it is for you, it is a totally different and very deep pain for kids. Not the identity itself. I want to reiterate that. The trans identity itself is not what is painful but the way that people treat them because of their identity is. Research and life experience really has taught us that the most painful of all emotions is shame. Shame can be defined as the deeply painful belief that we are unlovable and unworthy of love, connection, and belonging. We also know that the number one trigger of shame is unwanted identity. So fill in the blank here. I would absolutely die if someone thought I was blank. For me, This is absolutely if someone thought I was a bad mom or an unethical clinician. For almost every trans kid, the answer is if someone thought I was my assigned sex at birth. And they deal with people who believe that day in and day out. Can you imagine that feeling day in and day out? It hurts my chest just imagining it. And that's just strangers. You are, without a doubt, the most important person in their life. Everything they have is tied to you. Imagine the most important person in your life seeing you in the most painful way you can imagine and outright denying that how you see yourself is even possible. How do you imagine that would feel? I don't really want to try and imagine how it would feel because it because it's so painful. This leads me to another common reason for parents to want to slow down the process. My child says they're a girl, but they aren't expressing themselves femininely. This is actually quite common, particularly for trans girls, and especially if they've already gone through some of, if not all, of their pubertal changes. When they sound like a man and have the body of a young man, It can feel incredibly uncomfortable. They want to be seen as girls, not boys in dresses. Not only that, but just because they do not fit the stereotype of hyperfemininity does not mean that they don't identify as female. There are lots of women who express themselves androgynously or masculinely, and there are lots of girls who proudly sport the tomboy look. There's no one way someone should express themselves before we validate them as trans. If they are telling you they identify as a girl, treat them as such. Believe them. Give them the time and space and permission to be themselves without having to prove it to you or anyone. 
when we put qualifiers on how compliant someone must be with social norms before we give them access to medical care. We're contributing to the very dangerous mentality that someone must be quote unquote trans enough before we can accept them. Or that they have to fit the binary in the sort of re-binary way. It reinforces the shame they experience and adds to their dysphoria. The standard of care for starting any sort of medical intervention for transgender children requires a letter of support from a mental health therapist. I think it's important to note that the vast majority of therapists do not have any training or experience with this and don't know what to look for or how to write a letter that's going to clear insurance. It's not uncommon for your child to be working with a therapist and then the therapist declines to write a letter due to the lack of knowledge. This is incredibly frustrating for families as well as doctors. Doctors rely on the therapist to be an integral part of your care team. A therapist that is competent in working with transgender youth will know how to write letters and assess for family readiness. This is incredibly important. Kids do not exist on an island. And as you know, when a kid comes out, it affects the whole family. When a kid transitions, the family transitions. In different ways, obviously, but it's crucial that everyone be ready for the transition. Some therapists will assume the role of gatekeeper, essentially telling a kid or family yes or no. This is what this kid should do. This is the kid should get hormones. You should go get hormones right now or you should get blockers or something. This isn't how I like to do things. And I hope that as more therapists grow their competency in this subject, we'll see less of it. I'll get into my method later, but we'll be hearing from a psychologist that has literally written the book on the subject um, in a few episodes. But the hope is that working with a therapist is going to help your family figure out the right life timing for you and your child. And they'll work with you to move through whatever concerns or fears you may have about making this very big decision. They won't say yes or no. They'll say, here's what to think about as you consider this. Here are some concepts and tools to help you make sense of the path you're on. They'll help you write your playbook. Or at least they should. If they try to take over or want nothing to do with the conversation, they aren't who you're looking for. By now, you'll have heard me say at least a dozen times, there's not a path for this. But there are other families who have been through it and professionals to help along the way. As we venture into the wilderness of medical interventions to assist in transition and relieve dysphoria, I'll do my very best to not overwhelm you. This is a massive topic, and my goal is to keep it digestible. You can anticipate us diving into myths linked to mental health, things like hormone therapy is the only thing that's going to save my child from suicide, or kids living on the autism spectrum are easily confused about social norms and therefore cannot have any understanding about what their true gender identity is, as well as myths about hormone effects and even myths about non-binary individuals. So there's a very real possibility that each episode will leave you with some questions. I'll do my best to answer them, but it's totally okay if you have them. So if you do, feel free to send them in to camp at wildheartsociety.org, and we'll be sure to answer them. Or you can reach out to us via social media, find us on Instagram and Facebook as Wild Heart Society. Thank you so much for joining me today and for working so hard to learn what your trans kiddo needs in order to thrive. You play such an important part in their story. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating or a review. Rating the podcast helps other parents discover it. And we want to make sure that everyone who needs one knows that there's a bunk for them at Camp Wildheart.